Hey everyone, I really enjoyed this conversation with Jim Cathcart, one of the titans in the speaking world. And one of the things I took away from this episode was that concept of notice more. Like there's so much more to notice and the more you notice, the better insights you have on the situation. So that was the number one takeaway from me. What I've been noticing just generally is that uh, mindset is such a critical element of who we are. And to help people get a stronger mindset, uh, I've launched two projects. One of them is the COVID-19 survival kit. It has a series of neuro boosters, basically that software for your mind, that allows you to let go of the anxiety, the fear. It allows you to access peak states of performance. It allows you to imagine a world where you're your very best self. Now I've created that for free for anybody that wants it. So I'm gonna put a link to that in the show notes and please spread the word because if we can get more people to get a stronger mindset, we're gonna get out of this pandemic a lot faster and come out on the other side a lot stronger. Get ready for a really good episode. Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got the privilege of having Jim Cathcart here with me. He's a best-selling author. More importantly, he's a mentor that helps people reach their full potential. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Umar. Great to be with you. Jim, we're recording this, uh, and it's the 3rd of April, 2020. We're in the middle of the COVID pandemic, and everyone yep. is fearful. But you're doing something about it. You started this eight-week mentoring program to help CEOs get stronger through this than they were when they came into it. Tell me about that program. Sure. I, I realized that we'd been given a gift as well as a problem. And the gift is an opportunity without distractions to rethink everything that we do. We've got time on our hands with a change in, in daily required duties that allows us to reflect and to reconsider all the patterns in our life. You know, am I in the right career? If not, can I use this as the beginning step of emerging into another one and transitioning? Probably a billion people on this planet have been thinking about, you know, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing. I want to change. And as soon as the weekend comes or my summer vacation, I'll think about it. And this is the universe's way of saying, everyone stop, take yeah. a breath re-examine. So be careful what you wish for, I guess. Yeah. And it's more than that. We've, we've got an opportunity to rethink our life patterns because yes. we're all creatures of habit. You know, humans are, and we, we, we make a choice and then we form habits over time. And those habits become a commitment of source of, of comfort or satisfaction or safety to us. And uh, we need to stop cold occasionally and examine whether that habit's really serving us well or not. You know, the habits of eating, habits of communicating, habits of day-to-day of -day behavior, uh, habits of prioritization. So now's a good time. It's kind of interesting, uh, and I'm not sure if there's a corollary to this or not, but 100 years ago, the Spanish flu hit. And back then, it was 50 million people worldwide died. And it yeah. was also like a reset to kind of go, hey, 
we need to rethink who we are. And now a hundred years later, we're doing the same thing. So I'm not sure it's just happenstance or it's a it's a pattern, but uh, uh, it's, it's been a little too close to uh, a coincidence. Yeah, you isn't know, it? So there's it, there's bound to be something more going on, but I'm not going to speculate as to what it is. So before we go into this mentoring program, I just want to share a thought with you. So one of the things that has been the bane of existence for human beings is fear. Fear gets in the way of us getting what we want. But if we look at it at a biological level, when you're in fear, you're at your very best. You have the ability to focus on what's most important. Unfortunately, a lot of times we f- focus on what the fear part is and not what the opportunity is. But yeah. we're the strongest. We have the reflexes at the highest. So this is one of those things at a higher level that we've hit this really scary time, but this is the time to re-examine. So how are you helping those CEOs that are on this eight-week journey with you? Well, it's not just CEOs. It's any person who's a success seeker, who who is the type of person who buys books, goes to seminars, you know, reaches out looking regularly for resources to help them grow and be more and better. And it's especially personal service providers, people who are in the business of being a consultant, an advisor, a speaker, an expert, uh, you know, that kind of a resource. I heard this amazing thing the other day. It was uh, this lady runs a leadership institute and she said this phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get growing. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's, that's well said. Um, it, it, and you don't have to be tough. You just got to be intelligent about your choices and intentional about your actions. And those two are very powerful elements. Intelligent about your choices means making more enlightened choices than you've been trained to do so far. And so that's a learned new skill. And that's something I lead people through in my own work. And then intentional, if you look at the degree or percentage of your life that is intentional, I do it this way because I choose to do it that way for a reason. If, if you look at the degree or percentage of intentionality, I'll bet it's directly related to the percentage of success that you experience. The more intentional we are, the more likely our results will be what we wanted. Okay, I'm going to back you up there just a little bit. So, so you've got children, right? I have a son. A- any grandkids? Yep. Two grandkids, both teenagers. If you were trying to get them to think about things more intelligently, what practical advice would you give them? This is how you think more intelligently because oftentimes you just see it from a narrow window. So how do you teach them to to do that? Well, I've been doing that for all of their lives, literally. I would would imagine, yeah. I, I sincerely have been very intentional about my parenthood and grandparenthood. And uh, that doesn't mean I turn it into work. It's just that I think about what matters, what I care about, and about what the natural opportunities are for teaching and and role modeling and so forth. So give us a tip that you would have taught them. Say again? More intelligently. I didn't hear you. Oh, uh, share a tip with the listeners. I will. That you would have shared with them. Yeah. Yeah. First off, I teach them to notice more. That's a mantra in my family. Yes. Notice more. So someone says, oh, my God, you know, there's uh, the things are not going our way. Notice more. What do you mean? Well, look around. What's not going your way? Well, this and this and this. What is going your way? I have nothing. Notice more. 
Oh, oh, yeah. And what about from outside your point of view, from another person's point of view? Notice more. What about if this was already over? Look back and notice more. If you were here, I'd give you a high five for that last one because that's thinking at a much higher level. Words to live by, notice more. Yeah. And see, intelligence, the essence of intelligence is the ability to make distinctions. And making distinctions is another way of saying notice more. If you are trained as a brain surgeon, then you notice more about the nervous system, the brain, the body, the functions you know involved in a thought process or a natural reflex than anybody else does. I look at a person, all I see is the person. You look at a person, you see a series of systems, and you know how to intervene in those systems. So you notice more about it. Well, I can learn to do what you do. It may take me longer than it took you, but I can ultimately learn that given enough time and the right guidance, right? So it's not about whether we could notice more. It's about how quickly and effectively we can notice more and that we don't waste time noticing things or spending time on things that aren't worth digging into further. So let me add to that because all that's brilliant. One of the things we can do easily is uh, how would Jim see this situation? Mm -hmm. Immediately, I get insights and notice things I wouldn't have noticed just by asking that question. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down that note. Notice more is one of the things. So let's go back to the to that program to help these people sure. get through this. So one of the things is you want them to know they're going to get through this. They're going to be okay. What else? Well, first off, this is a blessing. That's That's the way people need to see this. They need to realize that we have an opportunity to go through a thought process while being sheltered from the day-to-day realities of, of job requirements that allows us to emerge from this much stronger, much more powerful, much better connected with people. So the thought process begins first with stop the bleeding. Do business triage in your life. Make sure that the damage it doesn't continue. So that's number one, stop that. Second is Clear the airway. This is first aid. I used to be an army medic ages ago. Young man, I was trained as a combat medic and hospital corpsman when I was in the army, and then I went to OCS and became an officer. But but the four steps of first aid were stop the bleeding because without the blood they can't survive. Clear the airway so that they can breathe because if they can't breathe they won't survive. Protect the patient, and then treat for shock because they, they just had a trauma and the effect of that, that shock reaction can often uh, inhibit your recovery. Right. So you can do the same thing in business. Stop the bleeding, stop the money loss, the danger, the damage. Clear the communication, the, the airway, that's Airways, that we, yeah. we are communicating, all of us, you know, remotely or in person. And then protect the patient, the business, the job, the the profits, the whatever, the, the co-worker, and then treat the disease or treat whatever it is that the problem is. Brilliant. So tell me, being an army medic, it teaches you to see the world in a certain way, and it also teaches you not to get caught up in the drama, the stress of it, because lives depend on it. How is that kind of mindset, that early training, because you were probably in your teens back then, early 20s? Teens early 20s, yeah. 
So they're like formative years. So how did that change you as a business person, seeing things where other people would have been like caught up in it? Did it allow you to transcend the situation and see clearly? I I think it did, but I don't. I haven't traced the direct links in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you know, basic training is a conditioning process that's it involves a great deal of fear and difficulty under highly stressful circumstances, and you come out of the other side of that being much more confident, much more capable in certain situations. But it doesn't right. necessarily make you particularly smarter about those situations. Just gives you the confidence to keep on going despite danger and resistance from the other side. But I was also in my 20s, I was a bill collector repossessing logging trucks in wow. the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas. So loggers that are going to be really yeah. pissed off. Yeah. In the, way back in the logging woods in the Ozarks. Where they could bury you in the, the forest, you'd never be found. What was right. that like? And many, many, many times I encountered armed customers. Yes. So they would they would point a gun at me and say, get out of here. And I would say, certainly, I'm happy to leave. You do need to understand, though, after I leave, the next person who comes will be the sheriff, and the, and the sheriff will bring other people, and all of them will be armed. So you need to decide whether your truck is more important to you than your life. That's a very powerful uh, argument. Yep. And I did okay as a bill collector. I didn't like the work, but I did okay. So you were talking about you know, that early experience for you. Uh, have you ever read the book uh, Startup Nation by any chance? No. I've seen it, but I haven't read it. So the premise of the book is uh, Israel has a lot of entrepreneurship, and what they were con- attributing it to was that everybody goes into military service for two years after they graduate high school. Yep. And when they go into that service, many of them are officers where they have a platoon and it's a life or death situation. Then after two years of service, they normally go traveling around the world and they come back and start university. And something about that early leadership and lives depending on it just make them kick-ass entrepreneurs on yeah. the world stage, which is uh, kind of interesting. So, Well, that's, that truly makes sense. And, and I went through officer's candidate school after I had been through all this other and had been a bill collector. One of the things that really impressed me in our initial conversation, which was a few days ago, is you had mentioned uh, Dr. Tony Alessandra and his friend uh, and the executor of my will. Yes. He had a personality assessment that he had developed. And I commented, you know, that's my favorite one because it's the most common sense. And the thing that impressed me was that you had gone about labeling each one of the categories. So well, rather he and than, I you know, created it. Yeah. 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 We were partners. We had one checkbook. One office. We were we were full on business partners from 1979 till 1985, and during that time, we created the relationship strategies or the platinum rule version of the personality assessment that he still uses today. And his company now is the back end that produces all of the personality assessments for Tony Robbins, for Grant Cardone, for Human Resources Press, for Action Coach International, and others all over the world. Brilliant. So the thing that I liked about it was that when you were trying to figure out what to call them, rather than you're a smart guy, you can do it yourself, but you didn't do that. You started talking to different people. So what do you think? And I thought that was really brilliant of just testing stuff out to see that it works. 
Thank you. Well, I was in a, it, it, at my office was a corner office in an insurance agency. We had the penthouse floor of an office building in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, this was when Tony and I first became partners before I moved to California and we incorporated everything into one office. But uh, in Tulsa, I had 19 agents and a general agent. And I was the trainer who taught all of them their techniques and, and their concepts. And so as I was working on this, I just put it on the door of my office. And I asked everybody, when you walk by my office, look at what's on the door and write notes or comments on it to help make it better. And so I, I said, here's, you all understand this concept. I've taught it to you. Let's find a way to articulate it better. And they helped me come up with the names, Relator, Socializer, Thinker, Director, which I would then call Tony and run it by him. And finally, we committed to those four words. As so the, what's interesting is you were using crowdsourcing before it was a thing. That's a good point. It was crowdsourcing, wasn't it? Yeah. Jim, you have spoken, uh, you're in the Speaker Hall of Fame. Yeah. So congratulations for that. Thank you. So you've spoken to a lot of audiences around the world. 3,300 so far. Does one or two stand out as being a special moment? It could have been a small audience, a large audience, where you just felt that it was a special occasion or the impact on the crowd was profound? One, yeah, there have been, and I could go on for the rest of the day with examples, because literally with 3,300 engagements in countries all over the world, and the most recent being 21 separate cities in China, I spent 71 days of last year in China doing lecture tours. Wow. I've got a lot of examples, but here's one that stands out. 2010, Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, at the university in the huge basketball arena with 13,000 people. I was the opening keynote speaker for the USA Special Olympics. Oh, awesome. There were 3,800 special athletes in the room. I was able to march into the arena with the Arkansas delegation, 176 people, and we were carrying the flag and we came in and then they lit the torch and, and the Olympics began. And Special Olympics, of course, is for people who are challenged in various ways. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience because every one of those audience members was heart and soul invested in supporting and encouraging the 3,800 athletes. And I got to do those opening moments in that, you know, standing on stage, theater in the round, so to speak. Nice. Speaking to those people. And when I walked out on stage, the energy was huge. And I looked around at all of them with a big smile on my face. And I said, just stop and notice more. Notice the feeling in this room. Look around you. Look up, look down, look behind you. Notice what you feel, the amount of caring and concern and love in this room right now is powerful. Don't miss that. And then I went on into my speech and uh, that was that was just a really, really special moment. Thanks for sharing that. I kind of feel like I was there. It was cool. <laughs> Good. Jim, what's next for you? Not only are you helping other people reinvent themselves, how are you reinventing yourself as we go on to uh, hopefully back to normal in May or June, whatever yeah. that is? Well, for 43 years, I've been a professional speaker and author. I started out doing primarily training, and then I got more opportunity to do keynote speeches. 
And then I specialized in keynote speeches and became a, a, a pretty successful motivational speaker doing 120 dates a year, which meant wow. 120 one-way trips a year and then a 120 return trips. So I was traveling all the time. Uh, I've written 20 books and published them around the world. And I, when we got to this, this current situation, I realized that the likelihood of keynote speaking being my best path from this day forward was small. But the needs don't go away. They just find different channels to get met. Yes. And I asked, how can I best meet those needs? And I looked back over all the testimonials I'd gotten from clients and, and uh, audience members and readers and followers over the years. And I looked for the highlights of what they said, what they were emphasizing that mattered to them. And it all came down to Jim is a role model I can follow. He's an advisor and mentor I can trust. And he's someone who genuinely cares, but he's proven it in his own life and career. So he's not just, you know, quoting some formula. He's genuinely invested with this personally as well as professionally. And so I, that's why I put together this eight-week process that I'm doing where I group mentor small groups of people who are really committed to transforming their life and making their next chapters the biggest and best chapters ever. That is amazing, Jim. Jim, we're going to put all your contact information in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's an honor to be with you, and I appreciate that. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 